Welcome to Extraordinary Retirement with Nate Yeomans and Greg Indovina from Design Wealth. In this podcast, we challenge people to rethink the traditional retirement paradigm and explore what a truly extraordinary retirement could be. Join us for this journey where we explore the roadmap to retirement freedom as Nate and Greg draw from years of financial planning experience and knowledgeable guests to help people live the retirement of their dreams with zero regrets. Hello and welcome to the Extraordinary Retirement Podcast with your hosts, Greg and Davina and Nate Yeomans. I'm Wendy McConnell. Now, today we're going to be talking about the Everybody talks about retiring, 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 but there's a couple of things that really need to be in place before that happens. Right, guys? There's a lot of things that need to be in place. Yeah, for sure. So that's what we're going to concentrate on today. Yeah. Imagine that decision that people have. You know, you're you've you've worked for 30, 35 years and you're coming to the end and you have to decide, well, can I retire? And what does that look like? And as we talked about in the last episode, most people don't have the financial education to really do an accurate assessment of, is this going to work? And as Nate likes to always say, uh, you only get one shot at this. And if you don't get it right, you're in trouble. So let's let's walk through that. Yeah, a lot of people, you know, when they, they approach retirement, it, it really becomes about a number for them. And is that's the one thing that they're focused on is, do I have enough? But that's only the starting point. You know, it's the tip of the iceberg. Uh, there's so much more that comes into a real retirement plan to make sure that are we uh, dotting every I, crossing every T, uh, and really stress testing the plan in, in a way that a, a good retirement plan is is really about planning on the plan, not going according to plan. Right? You stole my, you stole my line, Nate. That's, You're that's welcome. My I, it's my, my favorite. So- at the end of the day, though, you know, if you don't have a, a retirement plan that is planning on contingencies or things that don't go exactly your way, what are you going to do about it? And, and what we find is, is that most people don't have these contingency plans in place. They don't understand the impact of different risks in retirement or curveballs that get thrown their way. And so uh, what that leads to is uh, anxiety at times and uh, the lack of confidence that they need to go out and maximize fulfillment in retirement, which is what it's all about. Yeah. And we have people that come in to visit with us after attending our our uh, college class on retirement. And they come in and they they want an assessment. Like, I think I'm on track. I'm not quite sure. And the first question we always ask is, well, do you have a plan? And probably, what, eight, seven out of 10 don't. Right. Right. Well, so the plan is to retire. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. The, pl the, the plan in their mind is, well, I've got all of this stuff. I got 401ks and some IRAs and maybe a Roth and got this annuity thing. Pension, so, social yeah, security. Like, I got stuff mortgage and all this stuff. Yeah. And so one of the things that we like to do for people is to provide an assessment to really tell them, are they on track? That's, that's the main thing. Are they on track? And then secondly, what are the potential problems that, that need to be addressed? 
So they, let's let's walk through one of the, we ask a lot of questions about people that either have a plan. We ask the same questions about if they have a plan or they don't have a plan. One of the first questions we always ask is what are the assumptions that are going into that plan? Yeah. Any plan is only as good as the assumptions that go into it. And it's Greg, amazing. What's the, what's the most common assumption do you think we see uh, that we um, an individual that has a plan? What assumptions are they using? Yeah, the two the two problems, the main ones are. They don't account properly for inflation. And then the biggest one is they assume a constant rate of return from their investments over the rest of their lifetime. So they'll say, I'm invested in a 60-40 stock bond fund, and historically it's produced 6.8%. And therefore, I'm going to take my my money and, and multiply times 6.8% each and every year. And that is not how when's, you do it. When's the last time that we've ever gotten a 6.8% rate of return every single year? Yeah. It just doesn't, doesn't happen, happen, does it? Yeah. Yeah. What they don't understand is that, although that is true, that is the his historical rate. They don't understand the variations that come in year to year that go around that, um, that, that average. And that makes all the difference, especially in retirement. Doesn't make as much of a difference in that accumulation phase, but in the distribution or income phase of life, boy, makes a huge difference. So that's those are the two biggest mistakes. And inflation. I mean, if if you're going to be spending seventy thousand dollars a year each and every year for the next thirty years of retirement, and you're not accounting for the fact that your money is going to be debased over that time period, that's a huge problem. Yeah. And I think we also have to keep in mind that uh, there's different rates of inflation for different things in retirement. For example, is oh, yeah, that health healthcare is completely different. You know, if we're not breaking healthcare out in its own separate budget and inflating it at a different level, um, that, that's going to be an area in your budget that gets out of whack over time based on your, your inflation assumptions. So we need to make sure that we have your basic goals and needs and wants, uh, in one category, but healthcare needs to be in a completely separate category. And we have proper inflation adjustments and uh, assumptions around that as well. The other big thing that we see, Nate, is people assume the Goldilocks scenario, Right where they assume that markets are going to behave exactly the way they have in the past, that inflation is going to be exactly the way it's been in the past. Interest rates are going to be exactly the way they've been in the past. All of these different things, you know, they, they don't assume that they could have a long-term care event. They don't look at a potential pension cuts or all these things that they don't. So they, they assume that the world that we live in today is not going to change. And one of the things that we like to do is to do the stress testing. Yeah, that's exactly right. Is that, you know, being able to use tools, advanced planning tools to be able to stress test a financial plan uh, in di various different ways. So, so you know, we, we talked about inflation. So that's one of them is, you know, what if inflation is higher than what we normally have seen over history? So that's one. But what happens in the event of a long-term care situation? How does that impact your plan? What happens in the event of a loss of a spouse? or a cut to a pension, or or maybe our assumptions around rates of return are lower than we would expect. How does that impact you? And and some of the thing, things that we have to keep in mind is, is that usually it, it might not be just one of those items. It, it might be a combination of those items. And at the end of the day, while we want to uh, put our clients in a position to where they're going to be very optimistic about their plan, and we do expect things to go 
uh, definitely go well in retirement, we have to know if these sort of things happen, that we have a plan for it. And most people don't have the ability to stress test their financial plan against these sort of things. And Nate, when we when we run an initial plan for for people, let's say it comes in at a ninety two percent probability of success. That if you if you do all the things that you're doing, you're at a ninety two percent probability of success. And then when you run the stress test, and and you say, well, what if inflation runs one percent hotter over your lifetime moving forward than it has in the past? The impact is instead of being at ninety two percent, you might be at eighty two percent, right? And if one of the two has a long-term care event at age, pick an age, 80, uh, you know, that lowers it and pension cuts and all these different things. And when you begin to combine them together, people say, well, I guess I'm okay as long as that Goldilocks scenario plays out. And guess what? It never plays out exactly the way you think it's going to play out. So then the next question is, what are the different levers that you can pull if and when your plan gets off track. Yeah. We can talk a little bit about that. Yeah. I think at the end of the day that what we find is that uh, whether there's a plan or no plan in place, um, conversations around the retirement phase of life, when you're going to be taking income for the first time from your, your nest egg, um, the conversation needs to change. The conversation needs to be different. Um, being something that we specialize in, uh, we find ourselves, uh, with individuals having conversations that they've never had before, uh, and encouraging them to think through things that they've never thought through for before. So what, Greg, why don't we walk somebody through what a proper planning process should look like at the stage of life when you're nearing retirement or maybe even already in retirement? What, is, what should that look like? Yeah, I want to do one thing before that, Nate. Um, so what are, people that are making the decision to retire and they're essentially flying blind. So, you know, the, the analogy we like to use is they're they're in a plane at uh, 25,000 feet and they're going 500 miles an hour and they're in the fog. And the question is, do you want to know if there's a mountain higher than your altitude in, in, the, in, the, in the future? And the answer is, is yes, because here's the two bad outcomes if you make the decision to retire without the proper information. And everyone knows the first one. The first one is you potentially run out of money, right? You run out of money before you run out of life. And that's that can be tragic. And then the question always is, well, which of your kids has the nicest basement, right? We don't want to go down that plan. But the other one is is equally troubling to me. And that is somebody that goes into retirement so fearful of running out of money that they live a sacrificial life. And then they get to the end of their life and they have this big pile of money that they've accumulated out of fear. They're going to pass it on maybe in an inefficient way from a tax standpoint. And they didn't live, they didn't maximize the fulfillment in, in their life out of fear because they didn't have the right information up front. Yeah, that's so both that's, of those are the both of those are tragic. So glad you went down that path, Greg, because there, there's this there's this perfect point in time to where you have time. You have the money and you have your health, right? Yeah. And when you have all three of those things, it is absolutely critical that you're out there maximizing life at that period of time. Why wait? Life can be short. Life can be, you know, so things can change suddenly. And uh, instead of walking into a retirement fearful 
of, oh my gosh, am I going to run out of money later in life? And all, you know, if these things happen, if you have a plan and you have contingency plans for if things don't go exactly the way that you think, then all of a sudden you have an immense amount of confidence to go out and really maximize life, especially early on in the plan. And we really talk about, you know, the phases of retirement or, you know, those early years or the go-go years. That's where you're going to want to be doing the most and, and be you're going to be the most active. Your health is there. Everything is, is really perfectly designed to be able to maximize retirement. And then you kind of start to enter the slow-go years, right? Maybe you're not doing quite as much. Uh, and then we enter the no-go years. There is just, you know, quite frankly, you're going to be a time to where we're not going to be doing all the things that maybe you wanted to do uh, or traveling at the capacity that you want to travel, et cetera. And so it's really about how do you get the confidence that you need so that you can go out and especially spend money earlier on in the plan and really front load that plan to maximize fulfillment and whatever that means to you. And that's what we're a good financial plan is going to do for you. And those three phases, guess, going back to my comment about getting to the end of your life with this big pile of money that you never, you never used is guess when people realize that they're not really going to run out of money. It's in the slow go or maybe even the no go. So they're 82 years mm -hmm. old. They figure out, you know what? I don't think I'm ever going to really run out of money. I have all this, I have all this money. So let, let's, let's do a, a, a round the world. No, sorry. I don't physically, I can't do it. Or I just don't have the mental ability to, to pull the trigger. And then it's too late and it's too late. That's all the consequences of not having a proper assessment of where you are and what path you're on. And by the way, that initial assessment is not the end of the financial planning game. Just the beginning. That's just, that's step, that's step eight. That's going from A to B. There's a lot of things that can happen between B and Z. Uh, you know, life throws you curves, financial markets throw you curves. And, um, you know, there's opportunities and risks in during that time period. So that's yeah, why, so, you know, a plan is really a living document that, you know, you're looking at on a, on a regular basis. Yeah, so you so want to get that, into the proper planning stuff? Yeah, let's Nate, get into it. it early? We, I kind of diverted you, but that's perfect. I thought that was, um, thought that was important. So why don't you start it. with that? Yeah. So, um, this is what we call our ABZ model. You know, yep. the, the idea that Greg just alluded to is that you're at a, we want to get to Z but we got to take a step towards B first. We don't just jump from A to Z, right? There's there's things that have to be implemented and put in place and, and, and a proper plan takes time, but it's also a evolving, living, breathing plan. And the thing is, but between C and Z is when life happens, things happen. And so if we uh, really want to know what a, a proper process is going to look like, we have to sit down and first and and really understand what are the what are the goals here, um, and, and we like to dive deeper than well. I would like X amount of income. Yes, we realize that there's always a certain amount of income that everybody needs, but really, let's talk about if you have the opportunity to what we would call maximize fulfillment. The things that you would say that, gosh, if if I were able to do these things. When you're at the end of your life, you can say, you know what? I did it right. I am so glad I fulfilled my life. Uh, I was able no to regrets. achieve these things. No Zero re regrets. Yeah. What does that look like to you? And and by the way, you know, it, it doesn't mean that you have to travel all over the world, et cetera. It, it, it's think about things that fulfill you. Uh, we have, 
clients that say, you know what, the fact that I get to take my grandkids to school and I pick them up from school every single day and I get to do all these, that's what's fulfilling them. And so we want to make sure that they maybe have the ability to say, yeah, I can actually retire so that I can go do that instead of worrying about working a job. And so understanding those goals uh, becomes really important and kind of take a a deeper dive into those goals is is something that we want to, we want to do. And then, and then assessing different sources of guaranteed income versus variable income, guaranteed income comes from sources such as guaranteed is in quotes, uh, you know, social security and pensions and uh, annuity income and bond ladders and, uh, rental income from from real estate, all all those kinds of sources of potential uh, mailbox money. That that's the first thing to identify. And and what portion of that covers? What what percentage of those sources of income cover your overall monthly required income? Some people just have Social Security, and maybe that only covers maybe thirty percent of their spending. Other people might have multiple pensions and annuity income and rentals and things like that. And maybe it's a higher number because then you have to say, well, where if 30% is covered by social security and maybe a small pension, where's the other 70% coming from? Right. Right. And it's coming from a pool of assets that you've saved your entire life that provides variable returns. And so how do you take an asset that has variable returns year to year meaning stocks and bonds and things like that, and turn it into an income stream that fills the rest of your uh, required monthly spending above yeah, so and beyond, above and beyond the, the guaranteed stuff. That's yeah. when it gets interesting. Yeah. So we think of the guaranteed income sources. That's your foundation. Yep. If you had nothing else and all your assets ended up going to zero, that's your foundation that you're living off of. Is that acceptable to you? And so if we spend time making sure that your income plan uh, and your guaranteed sources of income are sufficient and where you need them to be, then we can move into understanding your investments and how are your investments currently situated and what's the role of of those investments? You know, we might have investments that are uh, designed for different segments of life, you know, for example, different goals or different goals, different goals that uh, somebody might need. Uh, shorter-term investments for uh, additional income, um, but they might have longer-term investments that uh, can have different growth goals associated with those investments to achieve different goals later in life. And so, you know, when we get the the income dialed in first and create a solid baseline and foundation, then we can dive into the the investments and understanding what's the objective of those investments and make sure they're doing a, a specific job for you. But we're still not done, are we, Greg? We still no, got to think at, of the risk. Think things. of the, There's still when you look at those sources of guaranteed income, there's still risks involved there. One of the things mm-hmm. you mentioned earlier was the death of a spouse. Yeah. Okay. So if if the person that has the pension and the bigger social security passes away prematurely, the what happens to the spouse? What what happens yep. to those income streams? Most people don't even know. And one of the stress tests is, tests we do is we will take one of the if if it's a if it's a couple we'll we'll say well what if you die prematurely and you see the probability of the plan change dramatically because of pensions and social security all that changes for the surviving spouse right so although they are guaranteed there there's some issues there too and that. Yeah. And what if the pension gets reduced? And what if Social Security drops to eighty percent? And 
What if social security gets pushed from 67 to 70, all those kinds of things. Yeah. So Greg's referring to the stress testing and things that we'll be doing uh, as a part of the process. So we've got the income sources that we dial in, we have the investments that we're working on, uh, but we're still not done. We still want to understand how are you managing cash or access to cash? For example, as we... Go I have ahead, two questions before we move on to the next aspect is one, how common is it that pensions get reduced? Um, you um, know, it's it's not that common that we okay. see pensions get reduced, to be honest with you. Uh, but you have to understand where your pension's coming from. Um, occasionally, have we seen that happen in uh, with private pensions, uh, with companies that um, you know, I've been around for a long time, but they changed their pension plan or something like that. Yeah. The, those things do yeah, happen private, on occasion, not that common, but yeah, the, it does. the private ones are the ones that are more at risk. Mm -hmm. The municipalities and state ones are slightly better because they, they have to actually live within a budget. The federal ones, you know, the military and, and other things, those are more solid mainly because the government can just print more money. Yeah. All right. States don't. States can't print money, and uh, companies Private, can't. Yeah. Can't print money. They can borrow money, but they can't print money. So probably the biggest issue with pensions, Wendy, that we see is that um, understanding the the spousal benefit, if any, you know, it's not that uncommon we that we see, and maybe the the election had to be made uh, when they first signed up for the benefit, which is at a very different time in their life. And they said, well, gosh, I'll take the single life income because that's going to pay me a lot more. We need to know and understand how is that going to impact the surviving spouse? If all of a sudden we lost 50% or a hundred percent of that pension, then we need a pension rescue plan because mm -hmm. now all of a sudden we're really, if we lose a pension or a portion of a pension and we're going to lose a social security check, that's a lot of of that income source, guaranteed income source that just disappeared uh, in a blink of an eye. And so we need to understand those things so that we have a contingency contingency plan for that. So when you're talking about the base, the income that's coming in, is mm -hmm. the required minimum distributions part of that, or is that something that you're keeping separate? Uh, that's something that we keep separate. Uh, you know, it's it's advanced planning that we do down the road when it comes to your investments and understanding the the fact that you at some point you are going to be forced to take money out whether you need it or not. Um, and so we don't put it into the the guaranteed section. Um, we're looking for sources that you know you're going to be able, you're going to be getting for the rest of your life and in prior to required minimum distributions. Uh, and then we just build required minimum distributions into the investment plan. As a and it is that. shocking for people that come in from our, our, mm -hmm. uh, our college class, they come in and we show them when required minimum distri distributions kick in. And many times they are absolutely shocked at the amount of income they're going to be forced to take uh, later on in life. And, and why it's, and they're shocked at it. Like, how am I going to spend all that money? And the real question is not how are you going to spend it? How are you going to pay taxes on it? And what tax level is it going to be in you know, 2038? And I can right. bet it's not going to be the same as it is today. And I can bet that it's not going to be lower. It's going to be higher. Mm. And so that's, that's, a, that's another risk of how do you minimize the amount that you have to take out of required distributions to eliminate that or reduce that tax risk of rates being much higher in the future? Yeah, and so there's. And a if you don't think they, if you don't think they are, just look at our fiscal condition in the United States. 
So there's a trisk, uh, a trickle down effect of that too. So, you know, the other impact that can, can be had there that we need to be forward looking on is that it's not uncommon that we see individuals that have done a, a great job of saving and putting money away. Um, but when required minim minimum distributions kick in, all of a sudden it's throwing them into a higher income threshold than maybe even what they desire. Uh, and if they hit certain thresholds of income, it's going to change the the cost of their Medicare. Okay. It's, it's going to change the, um, they're going to hit different Medicare thresholds that increase their premiums over time based on those thresholds. So now we've got an increased healthcare expense, which really is the, the it's segue. Dramatic. Into, it's yeah, dramatic. It, it yeah, can be, it's dramatic. It can certainly be big. Yeah. And it also causes a higher taxation of uh, social security benefits. Yeah. If you're so, forced to take all those RM, there's just so many different uh, ramifications of, of that particular problem. Yeah. So, so what do we do when we find a plan, Nate, that uh, is off track today? So if we're off track today, we first and foremost, we just want to assess what are the red flags? What are, what are the things that um, are, is derailing the plan? Uh, you know, so we have to take an objective look to, to say what's, what's broken, what's not broken uh, and what are our options to fix it? And, you know, fixing a, a financial plan, uh, there's a lot of different ways to go about doing that. Uh, it's a matter of uh, understanding the pros and cons of those decisions and, and taking somebody through a process so that they understand, okay, I am not currently on track. Here's all the different things that I can do to get back on track. And what are the pros and cons of that decision? And when we can walk somebody through that and give them information that they've never had before, and now all of a sudden they're equipped to make, I think, a really good decision of, you know what, this is, this is the approach that makes sense for us. You know, these yeah, are the things that list. we're willing to do uh, on yeah. our end. Uh, and here's the changes that we're willing to make. But here's some things that we're not willing to do. That's not an acceptable solution for us. And once we understand that, that hey, that's fine. That's perfectly fine. Our job is to lay out the the potential options for you. And I eliminate some of the others. And then we can get focused on what we can do to get you back on track. And it's different for everybody. The laundry list of corrective things that we can do to get a plan on track, either if it's initially off track or it gets off track somewhere down the road due to markets or life events, the list is the same for everybody, you know, part-time work and tapping into the value of your home. And we could go on down the hall, but the preferences for each and every client is different, right? Some people are like, I never want to work again. Others are like, I'd be happy to do consulting work for five years. Some people will say, I'll tap into the value of my home. Others will say, heck no, that's for the kids. And we'll go down that list and we'll figure out which ones are, are yes, I'm willing to do it, which ones are no way, and which ones are maybe. And then we find the, the ones that are the least painful that we can begin to implement to put the plan back on, on track. That's yeah. an important part of the process. You know, one is just identifying where you are. The other is, what are you going to do to get it fixed? And, and that's an important process. Yeah. The so, other thing I would add to that is, is that um, when people understand what their options are, um, it, it allows them to kind of process through what they're willing to do to make an impact. And sometimes it's subtle things. You know, if, if individuals knew that they had a, a way to be able to um, understand when is it time to tighten the belt in a financial plan? 
you know, maybe when markets are down and, and we're taking income out of a portfolio, we don't want to put too much stress that could cause longer term problems. Do they have a way of, of measuring and understanding when do they maybe tighten the belt a little bit? And having a financial plan that's going to indicate to them, you know what? Okay, here's where we, just a little bit, we're not asking for big changes, but would it be okay to tighten the belt? And the opposite yeah. is true as well. What about, you know, during the the real good times and things are, are doing really well, would you want to know, this is the time to actually, you know what, go on that extra trip. This is the time to, to do the bigger things because we're actually, we've got a surplus. Uh, yeah. And so having ways to making sure that you can, kind of have some guardrails on your financial plan so that you know that you're always on track because, you know, uh, the one thing that's, that's constant is change. Things change and we need to make sure that it's a living, breathing plan. So if we're really to kind of summarize, you know, what a, a good financial plan needs to entail is, you know, we talked about the income. We, we need to have that dialed in. We need to have investments and a good solid plan of how do we measure uh, and manage risk in retirement and make sure that we don't take big, big losses, especially in the income phase of life? But how do we also make sure that we have a war chest? You know, is there an extra way that we have access to cash or something uh, very safe that in the event that maybe we don't want to take money from our investments because they're down? Do we have a, a war chest to go to? That's a big one. Uh, healthcare and long-term care. We have to have those pieces dialed in. Because again, if you don't have a plan for, for a long-term care, then really everything you own is your financial plan for long-term care. And so do we have that put together? And then last but not least is your legacy plan. In the event yeah. that you're no longer here, where do you want this money to go? And, 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 and I imagine that whether you want to have all of your money go and you want to, your kids to inherit a lot of money or you want to bounce your last check, at the end of the day, I can imagine that you don't want Uncle Sam to be your primary benef beneficiary. And so how does that money go to your estate in the most efficient and effective manner? And do you have all the basics in place, like the wills, the powers of attorneys, things of that nature that you just need to have standard things in place? And when we can check all those boxes, we can have all those components in place. Now we're talking about having a comprehensive financial plan. Uh, and then what we do is we take it and we stress test it from there against things that can happen to throw the plan off track so that you and they, know. We've done, we've done hundreds of these and yeah. and we got to wrap this up, but every, every single person that's gone through this process has been empowered. And I think the subtitle of this particular podcast is the power of knowing, right? And and the value that they get for 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 knowing exactly where they are is is incredible and people react different ways some people say thank you very much i'm i, I now see exactly where i am and i'm going to continue on my own or whatever resources they're currently using and and that's that's a win other people say i want to learn more about how you guys would go about approaching this and and we can go down this path and there are some people that just throw their hands up and say oh my goodness i want help now <laughs> And we're yeah. happy to help those people as well. But everybody that goes through this process uh, is empowered. They are educated and they come away with uh, with valuable, valuable information. Hope is not a strategy. Knowing no, is powerful. Yeah. Knowing is powerful. Yep. One so Wendy, that's all we got for today. Well, I have one question. Now you mentioned a war chest. Is that like mm -hmm. a savings account? Explain to me what a war chest is. Uh, a war chest could... 
Yeah, it could be more than just a savings account. So um, it could be, it, it's really think of having access to liquidity or additional funds that maybe are not in a position to where they are uh, moving the same direction that the stock market's moving. So for example, is that we look at a war chest to say, if the stock market-based portfolios are down, it is generally ideal if we don't have to, we don't want to take money out of those accounts because we're just compounding those losses. We're making them worse by doing that. So if you have a war chest to go to, uh, that is money that is sitting aside and it can come in various forms of basic a basic savings account, or it could be a cash value and a life insurance policy, or it could be... Um, a home equity line of credit. There's all kinds of strategic ways that have to be carefully used. Um, but there are, it's just a matter of saying, what is my war chest if I need to, to utilize it so that I don't make my losses worse? Uh, that's a very strategic move and it definitely takes more explaining and, and some thought process into making sure that that's done right. Uh, but that's what essentially we're referring to. All right. Wendy, how are you feeling about your, uh, future retirement after going through this with us i'm in the accumulation phase leave me alone oh, yeah, so you, you're way younger than there us you I'm go. Sorry. I'm you got sorry. one job to do wendy just grow <laughs> just grow the money so. i don't want to talk about it yeah um, so how can people get in touch with you guys yes uh best way uh two ways really is you can go to our website designwealthadvisors.com or you can call us at the office 720-833-7676 We'd be happy to sit down and have a conversation with you and just see what we can do to bring value. That's what the end goal is. Thank you. It is always a pleasure to speak to you guys. Absolutely. We enjoyed it, Wendy. Enjoy your weekend, Wendy. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Thank you for listening to the Extraordinary Retirement Podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at www.designwealthadvisors.com or give us a call at 720-833-7676. Content here is for illustrative purposes and general information only. It is not legal, tax, or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific trading strategy. Results will vary. Past performance is no indication of future results or success. Market conditions change continuously. This commentary reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analysis of Design Wealth Advisors. It does not necessarily represent those of RFG Advisory, their clients, or their employees. This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by Design Wealth Advisors or RFG Advisory, or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, a registered investment advisor. Design Wealth Advisors and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place.